0: Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporting in the middle of nowhere. What a weekend in playoffs this past week, ladies and gentlemen. Both number one teams in the AFC Conference and the NFC Conference are knocked out. Two legends, two legendary quarterbacks, the bad man, Aaron Rodgers, and the GOAT, Tom Brady, could be retiring. People are continuously talking about overtime and how they hate the rules of overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, it should be whoever scores a touchdown first loses. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a coin flip. You, you, the football has always made decisions on on overtime and even the beginning of the game on a coin flip. So the reality is. We were all rooting for Josh Allen to have a great season, to finally beat the Chiefs. But this wasn't their season. Gronk said that if you ask him right now, if you have to force him to give you a decision if he's going to retire or not, he said he will retire. It's most likely because his body's banged up. He's still injured. But there's a potential chance that he will come back. We just got to give him some time and some space. So the Bengals versus the Titans, one of the first games that, that, that happened this week, this past weekend. Joe Burrow outshined Ryan Tannehill. You know, Joe Burrow has continuously been amazing this season. You know, he had one interception. He was sacked nine times. But if you looked at what he was able to do in terms of spreading the ball, he spread the ball all around. It wasn't just Chase and Higgins. It was more than two guys who were catching the ball and they kept him in the game. Which made their passing game more dangerous than the Titans because it just seemed that if it wasn't, f- if you take Brian and Jones out, Town Hill and the Titans would have lost by even more, more points. Crazy. So, do we continue doubting the Bengals? Next game Green Bay versus the 49ers, ladies and gentlemen. Again, another game that. I don't think anybody was expecting that the 49ers were going to be great. Before this game, I think everyone expected that the Green Bay was going to come into this game, beat the 49ers, and be one of the teams that was going to go to the Super Bowl. Hell, I thought so too. But again, Jamaico Ryans called a brilliant game. Again, his play calling held a top offense under 20 points. If you look at the game, if it wasn't for Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, the bad man Aaron Rodgers didn't really have a good game. He didn't really spread the ball around. You know, the question of the day is, his line was injured. His left side didn't have the the two original starters in the beginning of the season, and Jenkins and David McCarty, or McCarty, whatever his name is, McCarty, whatever his name is. Long story short, the offensive line had to shuffle around. It wasn't the same guys. The question is, if that offensive line had all its players, would they have would Aaron Rodgers and the offense have been more dominating and would they have won the game? But however, Aaron Rodgers got eliminated. We never and he and the Green Bay Packers the once Super Bowl contend not contending Super Bowl favorites is now eliminated. Rams versus the Buccaneers. The 2021 Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Rams. The Rams were dominating this game. It was 20-3 at halftime. Tom Brady went for, didn't complete one pass until after his fifth passing attempt. Has Tom Brady ever done that? How often has Tom Brady ever attempted multiple passing attempts and not complete one passing attempt? This was probably one of his worst playoff games ever. And Cooper Cup had over 183 receiving yards and he was caught the winning catch that led to the field goal after Tom Brady had done his magic again and brought the the Buccaneers back into the game and tie the game in less than five minutes, but the Rams just weren't had too much time on the clock and was able to get Cooper Cup the winning catch. And long story short, the Rams were the better team and won the game by a field goal. Yeah, there is a question. What happened if the Buccaneers were healthy? Would Tom Brady and the Buccaneers have won the game? Definitely a possibility. But because we don't have that videotape to see if that was, that's even possible, it's just crazy. It's a what-if factor. It's definitely a what-if factor. What if all the guys were at least healthy or banged up or just, were just playing in some kind of capacity? Would Brady have won the game and be marching into the NFC Conference Championship this upcoming weekend? Next game, ladies and gentlemen, Chiefs versus the Bills. This was an amazing game. A lot of people looking at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen saying this is the new Tom Brady, Peyton Manning uh, comparisons. Two great quarterbacks who are elite, who are on top of the game, facing each other yet again in the playoffs. And yet again, the Chiefs were able to beat the Bills. The last five minutes of the game... I don't think we've ever seen it. It just seemed like they weren't willing to go down. You know, um, the brilliant defense that the, Bill, that the Bills had majority of the season was not brilliant. They couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. It didn't matter how good Josh Allen was in the last five minutes of the game. The Bills' defense was horrible. Right now, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for, for the Bills, Is a candidate for a lot of coaching jobs out there. After seeing that game, I wouldn't want him. He didn't make one good decision in the last five minutes of the game of the Chiefs versus the Bills. He didn't make one good decision. It seemed like Patrick Mahomes could not throw an incompletion. It was just, it was, it was just crazy how great Josh Allen was during these playoffs. And he's home. And Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers. is still in the playoffs, even though he hasn't been great at all. Crazy. Now let's talk about the games that we're going to see. In the AFC Conference, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see the Chiefs versus the Bengals. One of the things I look at be- before I analyze games is, did these teams face each other? How many times did they face each other? Who had a great game? What players were hurt? The what-if factors. Well, the Bengals actually beat the Chiefs this year already. And just, and just recently, this happened within the last less than two months. So the question of the day is, did the Chiefs defense learn how to defend Jamar Chase, who had over 260 yard, receiving yards in that game? Isn't that crazy? Over 206 receiving yards? Just to, to say that they learned, they have to say that the, in order to, for them to be considered to having a good game versus Chase, after experiencing and allowing him to have over 260 receiving yards, he has to have at least 80 yards. You're saying 180 yards less. The question is, did the Chiefs learn? What are the Chiefs going to do? The Chiefs got embarrassed. And the reality is, they will be embarrassed if the Bengals came again and was able to defeat them, and they're going home. Some part of me f- feels this could be potential uh, upset. Joe Burrow, ladies and gentlemen, could be the new Tom Brady. When it comes to playoffs, it just it seems like have him under center, and he will le- take you to the to the promised land. Like he did with LSU. And so far he's done it in the playoffs. We'll see if the Bengals still have any magic. If Joe Burrow is still playing great. if We'll see if the Chiefs have finally learned how to defend Chase. It's going to be a great game. So let's talk about 49ers and, and the Rams. The NFC Conference Championship, ladies and gentlemen. Now this one's kind of interesting. Because they both play in the same division. So they both know each other. But then you got to go deeper. How did they face each other this season? And then how did they face each other last season? Well, it's different because last year the Rams had Jared Goff. And didn't have Odell. And didn't have Ron Miller. And this season they have Matt Strafford, They have Odell. They have Ron Miller. And long story short, it's a little bit of a different team. So, I looked at what the 49ers and Rams record was among each other the last two seasons. In the last two seasons, the Rams have lost to the 49ers four times. And being them, none. If Demeco... I'm going to say his name wrong. Demeco Ryan's defensive coordinator, to me, is the MVP of the 49ers. This defense looks great. In my opinion, if you look at this team... And what they've been able to achieve so far in the playoffs. It kind of reminds me what how the Giants were. They weren't expected to be a team in the NFC Conference Championship. They were a team not predicted to really do great. You know, there were teams that uh, people put in front of them. You know, Jimmy G is not an elite quarterback. Just like Eli Manning was not an elite quarterback. Eli Manning had better games in the playoffs than Jimmy G has. And then on top of that, they both have good offensive lines, similar. Both defenses look amazing in the playoffs. You know, one of the things that carried the New York Giants into the Super Bowl in 2007-2011 was the pass rushing and the defense. It wasn't really all the the whole defense. The offense was a lot better than, than the 49ers, but the defense looked unstoppable. That pass rush looked amazing. So far, the 49ers have looked great and they have a great rushing attack between Debo Samuel, who, who is a dual threat for them right now, and a rookie, Eli, uh, Elijah uh, Mitchell, who's amazing too. So great running, great defense, not a great uh, quarterback, but the defense has let them there. The question of the day is does the defense have more magic and do they stop Odell? Do they help Odell? Does Odell learn from the past two games? And exceed over 20 uh, yards. Or will he have another horrible game? You know, the crazy thing, ladies and gentlemen, is before this season even started, the 49ers already said to the world, we don't trust Jimmy G. We know we gave him this big contract, but we don't trust him. And how did they prove that they didn't trust him? Well, they they drafted a guy named Trey Lance. They, They drafted Trey Lance, and that's them saying, we don't trust Jimmy G. And we're hoping that he gives us enough status that we could trade him. So the reality is this could be this upcoming uh, game, in the NFC Conference Championship, if the 49ers lose, could be Jimmy G's last game. He could definitely be traded to another place. And sooner or later, next season could be Trey Lance's uh, first season as the starter of the 49ers. But it's crazy. They don't even believe in him. They don't even believe in him, and he's leading them to the NFC Championship no matter what. He, he's the quarterback, and then the NFC Championship, and they're winning games. It's very interesting to see what happens. All the pressure is on Sean McVay's uh, back right now. It's all on his shoulders. Can he overcome Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and the, the 49ers defense? Can they solve what they haven't been able to solve in the uh, 49ers in the last four games. It's definitely going to be interesting. This could be even a, be um an upset. Probably some people even think it's an upset because the 49ers haven't lost to the Rams in more than two seasons. We'll see what happens this Sunday. Does the 49ers still have magic? Or will the Rams solve the genius play uh, solve how to defeat Domenico Ryan's defensive coordinator of the 49ers and actually have a great game? Tune in to find out. So let's get into it. I said earlier that Tom Brady's thinking about retiring. He's thinking about retiring and being more of a family man. You know, it's kind of crazy, crazy that he's thinking about this. But it makes sense. If you look at who a free agent in this upcoming offseason, the Buccaneers have a lot of guys, key guys, who had great seasons this past year, a key key, uh, key got core guys, and the free agents. Not all of them will be resigned. So then that, that becomes an issue. We don't know how they're going to draft. And if the offensive line still doesn't look elite, does Tom Brady want to go back? If the Buccaneers don't replace Godwin, and Gronk if Gronk retires, what do they do? Does Tom Brady want to come back if Gronk retires? Does Tom Brady want to come back if every decision that the that the Buccaneers make is horrible? Does Tom Brady want to come back if Brian Leftrich is gone? What do the Bucs do? It's interesting to see how Sally Cap and and decision making that they're not prepared. If Tom Brady, they're not even prepared, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that crazy? Even with Jimmy G not being great, the 49ers are, are, are ready to give him the boot. But the Buccaneers, if Tom Brady gone, is gone, who are they bringing in to replace him? Who qualifies to do what he, to, uh, to be the same kind of quarterback? Who qualifies? Will it be a free agent? Will it be a trade? Or will it be through the draft? Very crazy. We'll see what he does in the next few months, if he decides to come back or not. And we'll discuss that once he makes that decision. And the bad man, Aaron Rodgers, also appears to be thinking about retiring. He says he does not want to be a part of a rebuilding process. The Packers, ladies and gentlemen, are over the salary cap, so they have issues there. So the question of the day is, what happens? The Packers could look very different. Devontae Adams may not come back. And Rodgers may not come back. The GM has to work magic because the reality, the truth is, if you lose key guys, can this team succeed next year? Especially if you have to start asking guys to reduce the salary in order to get under the salary cap or you have to release. And that may be a, a valid option to help the Packers. So the question is, once those decisions are made, will the Packers still be a playoff contending team? Will they still be the best team in the NFC North? And the, the funny thing is that Pro Football Focus, I think a day or two ago, put out the different teams that we potentially we would be going after in Aaron Rodgers. And one of the teams that they're betting that thinks has the best shot is the Denver Broncos. And now, this today, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator of the Packers, was hired in Denver. But does Aaron Rodgers want to do the same thing as Peyton Manning, finish his career in Denver? Does it make sense for him to go there? Does he want to play in a team where he has to play behind Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? It's, it's not the NFC. I mean, the AFC in the West, is not the same. And the NFC North, it's a much different creature beast. I mean, creature, beast, whatever you want to call it. Creature beast. But the question of the day is, do you want to go to the Denver? Do you want to go to Pittsburgh? You know, Pittsburgh has some good good uh, prospects. But then you know, at the same time, you're behind Lamar Jackson. You're behind Baker Mayfield. And you're behind sh- Lamar Jackson. And Joe Burrow. So it's crazy. Where does Aaron Rodgers go? Does Aaron Rodgers want to really want to retire? Where does he want to go? Where does he want to spend another two or three seasons of his career? Or does he want to run, run to the sunset because the truth is no team has what he desires? It's going to be an interesting next three to five months where two legends either will retire. Or come back. Now, the legend of Big Ben has finally retired at thirty-nine years old, a guy who was drafted behind Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. And if you take a step back, I think if you look at Philip Rivers and you look at Eli Manning and Big Ben, Big Ben had a better career, but Big Ben also had better coaching. Let's be realistic. Mike Tomlin. And oh my god, I forgot the other guy. I forgot his name. Right now, he's an analyst, a coach, uh, for CBS. But long story short, Big Ben has been in a was in a better organization in his whole career versus Philip over Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Eli Manning had a great run, but Eli Manning finished his last six seasons or maybe more with one of the worst offensive lines, one of the worst defenses at times. They didn't have a running attack. It was like Bad decision on top of bad decision. And it wasn't Eli's fault. But Big Ben during that time still had a great offensive line. Still had great receivers. Still had a great defense. Still had great coaching. So overall, his statistics make him look better. And his win-loss record looks even better because of that. And he finished his career a six-time Pro Bowler. Two-time Super Bowl champion. A guy who's in the top ten in almost every list attached to a quarterback. A guy at 39 still led his team to the playoffs. Even though they didn't win, he still led them to the playoffs. So congrats to Big Ben on a magnificent career. You will be missed. Enjoy your retirement, sir. So this past week, let's talk about baseball. The baseball has elected a Hall of Famer. The only player that was elected to the Hall of Fame was David Ortiz. Now, people have problems with David Ortiz because David Ortiz in 2003 tested positive for steroids. So people saw that, okay, wait a minute. If this guy did steroids, then why isn't Barry Bonds and others in? And here's the thing. Steroids makes, in my opinion, makes athletes cheaters. Guys who are saying... There's no exercise there's no protein shakes there's no rehab there's no surgery that you could do that would make me elite or make me the player that I want to be so I must take these steroids and make myself better than who I am by taking this enhancement and I must cheat in order to stay to stay elite that's what he's that's what the Barry Bonds and others. Are saying. Let's be realistic. Cheaters. Nobody who's takes steroids should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care how great they were. I don't care if it was one season. The reality is they cheated. They didn't earn it. They cheated. They showed the world that you have you could skip steps to not work hard. In my opinion, if we're going to say Barry Bonds and David Ortiz and anybody who's done steroids could, could uh, could be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, what about Pete Rose? You know the funny thing about Pete Rose, ladies and gentlemen, that by the time he was a player coach and he gambled, and he's never been elected to the Hall of Fame, he already established himself as one of the best hitters ever in Major League Baseball. He didn't take steroids to help him get another thousand hits. He didn't take steroids to help his gambling issues as a player coach. He had an issue. His issue was he liked to gamble. And he manipulated games in order to help himself win because he was a manager. And because as a manager, he gets to make a decision who starts, who doesn't start, who gets taken out, who stays in. But then, taking a step back, as a player, he should be in the Hall of Fame. As a coach, nope, never again. Once you you admit to doing it or found guilty of it, you can no longer be a coach at any kind of capacity, and you'll never be in the Hall of Fame in terms of a coach manager. But, ladies and gentlemen, this this is just—it's crazy how we are came, guys who took steroids, who are unapologetic that they, they they took it and still deny it and act like it was nothing or act like they never did it. As someone who goes to church, who listens, who, who thinks he's a good person, I'm not saying I'm a great person, but long story short, ladies and gentlemen, if Barry Bonds went in front of the camera and admitted And all these, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did. Maybe one of these guys who did steroids admitted to taking steroids and was apologetic towards it. I don't know. But if they're not apologetic and they're not seeking grace and mercy, then no, you will never be in the Hall of Fame. Now, if you're asking for mercy, if you apologized and you are sincere with your response in terms of why you did steroids, then you know what? I'll give you a chance. But until then, I don't think you, you could be in the Hall of Fame. You know, the crazy thing that's that, that's attached to this Hall of Fame is they have a limit, ladies and gentlemen. They have a limit of how many times you could be in the Hall of Fame, I mean, how long you could be in the Hall of Fame, and then when's your last chance? That should not be. I'm sorry. Maybe at the moment, you know, you're still in this, you know, they're still in this David Ortiz high. So they felt because he was so dominant Dominant, uh, dominant as a Red Sox DH for so long and he was so clutch. And he changed the environment in, in Boston and et cetera and so forth that he must be there. But it's crazy. There shouldn't be a limit. You know, right now, Jim Cott, who was an, an- announcer for the Yankees and did some stuff for Major League Baseball. He was a pitcher for the Twins, I, I believe. Just got uh, elected. But long story short, there should never be a limit of how many times you can get elected, how many times you could be a part of this opportunity to be, become a Baseball Hall of Fame. It's just, it's embarrassing that, that, that he had this. This upcoming week, baseball made some progress in its lockout. Certain compromises were made. Certain things, uh, things that the, the union wanted was taken out. Certain things were agreed upon. The owner says they're willing to lose games if the agreement is not placed. In my opinion, I've seen the union make more compromises in order to try to have baseball, which makes me feel that the baseball players want a season more than the owners. And the owners who are billionaires, who most likely make money in so many different um, areas, that they're okay with not making the millions and billions that they make from baseball. It's crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. Progress was made this week, but the reality is, I don't like hearing that owners are willing to lose games. Baseball will lose fans. Baseball will lose ratings. It has lost fans already. But now they will lose it even more. It's just crazy. Let's see what. Let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But man, how can how how can this be? How can this? This be after losing games because of COVID, we're going to lose more games because of a lockout. Certain careers will will have to end because of the lockout. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, let's go into basketball, ladies and gentlemen. James Harden says he hates living in Brooklyn and it seems like he wants to leave the Nets. The Nets say they would not trade him during the trading uh, NBA deadline that's gonna uh, that's just around the corner. And I mean, it's crazy. Why does he want to leave? Why? I understand why he wants to leave. The Nets aren't the team that he expected that they were going to be once he went there. Let's be realistic. Kyrie Irving's issues with the vaccine has hurt the Nets. The Nets are not the number one team in the Eastern Conference. They are not a top three team win-loss team in the NBA. Right now. Kevin Durant is hurt. And because of the whole vaccine issue. Kevin Irving cannot play home games. So he's hurting the Nets. Because hurting him. And him playing together. Could win a lot of games. But Harden can't do it alone. Especially when this injury is on, on the Nets right now. So it looks like he may. Be leaving the Nets. This offseason, some people are saying trade him, get value back, especially if he's going to be a free agent. Get value back versus losing him and getting no value back. There's some rumors that saying maybe a Ben Simmons James Harden deal could happen, but do you really want Ben Simmons and you want to replace a guy who's playing great, who could score, great assist and etc. and so forth for a guy who's just great on defense, who's not going to bring the same offense to the table? Who's already missed multiple games because of his issues with the team. I wouldn't trade my a great player into, within my own division and see him succeed. Why would I want to see James Harden have a great record with the Sixers? Why would you want to see that? Or Ben Simmons going to Philly I and mean going to Brooklyn. It's actually hitting three-pointers and it's the shooter that, that we all thought, not all thought, we all hoped that he could develop into I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I would not make that trade. But again, I'm not an executive in the NBA. We'll see what happens. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, you probably do know because it's everywhere. January twenty sixth was, which was yesterday, was Kobe Bryant's anniversary of his death, his two year death, that he died in a helicopter with his daughter and other people. It's crazy that it's been two years still very painful to talk about. The idea that he died, a guy who's just a great, from what you hear, was a great guy who loved the game of basketball, but he died with his daughter. And I have a daughter, so it's, for me, that's why it's painful. Supposedly, they're going to make a statue of Kobe and his daughter at the site where the crash happened. Interesting to see how, how it may look, how the family will, will perceive it. But maybe next year I won't bring up this whole anniversary because who wants to bring up an anniversary? Uh, bring up an uh, a death anniversary that was so tragic, that was so unnecessary. Let's talk about WWE, ladies and gentlemen. Now I've, you know I've I'm always missing talking about wrestling, but this upcoming Sunday, Saturday, the new thing with the WWE is they want to follow UFC boxing and AEW with their pay paper events and making it on Saturday. So now Royal Rumble is no longer going to be on Sundays like it has been for the last 20 plus years. It will be this Saturday. And what makes it so bad is that the WWE has released so many different wrestlers, especially women, that in this upcoming Royal Rumble, which is 30 participants that have to get thrown off on top of the rope, whoever is standing last Gets a chance to face whoever the women's championship they want to face between the SmackDown and Raw at WrestleMania. But what makes this so hard this year is that they really so many different people that they're bringing back legends and they're acting. They act these these wrestlers and I forgot their names already. But they're, they're currently the the tag team champions at, in, on Impact to come back. They actually Mickey James. A wrestler that they released—they weren't even using prior to her leaving WWE to come back and to participate. They're asking leader, a WWE legend, to come back. Mimi Cool, Cool McCool, whatever her name is, the Undertaker's wife, to come back. They're asking Summer Rae, someone who they released, to come back. It's so embarrassing, you know. A couple years ago, more than a couple years ago, WWE was trying to portray that they want to have some kind of woman's revolution. They wanted to help women in the wrestling business. They didn't, the, you know, they were one of the, the, the wrestling organizations that allowed their women wrestlers to, um, to pose and playboy, who had bikini matches, pill- uh, pillow contests, and everything that degraded women. It wasn't sometimes, it wasn't even a wrestling match. It was more trying to satisfy the, me- the male viewers. That's what it seemed like it was back in the early 2000s. There, weren't, there were some great matches, but the rallies, they, they, they weren't really trying. WWE, even a couple years ago, had its own women's pay-per-view. And they made it seem like they want to put more and more things with women. And instead, they have released a lot of women wrestlers. They didn't full, uh, keep their promise in making more women uh, pay-per-views is actually backfired. They've actually hurt the women wrestling. I mean, the rally is this upcoming Saturday. Bailey's probably coming back and she's probably winning. Let's be realistic. It's not going to be anybody else. It's it's always been Bailey, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Let's be realistic. So Bailey may come back on Saturday and she may win. There's not going to be any new wrestler. They're not going to give someone else a chance, an opportunity to, to, to participate. Leader's going to come back and win. Summer Rae is going to win. Mickey James, who's a knockout champion of TNA Impact, is going to come and win? No, that's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. What about the male section? Is there going to be an AD Styles or, or, or any kind of wrestler that's not wrestling with the company now? gonna come through those ropes and shock the world and make us go crazy will Corey Graves who hasn't wrestled in more than 7 years come and participate in the Royal Rumble you know what's gonna happen I feel it's gonna be current wrestlers some guys who are in the Hall of Fame over 50 years old you know Corey Graves wouldn't be a shocker but the reality is it could be boring you know We'll see what happens this Saturday, but what's happening with WWE? It doesn't seem like they're trying anymore. It seems like they're trying to go back on what they were in the 80s, where a lot of guys were over 6'2", over 250. It, seems, it feels like they want to do that more, rather than give any great wrestler out there who's a great promo, a great wrestler, it doesn't matter the size, just give me a good match. It seems like they don't no longer want that. It seems like they want to go back into the 80s. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is my episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. Remember, subscribe to the Truth and Rally podcast and all podcast apps so that you are aware when a new episode is available for your listening ears. You could also follow me on Instagram on the slash truth slash and slash reality slash. The slash has to be on the bottom, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow me on TikTok, same way, the slash truth slash and slash reality. Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds weird, but long story short, someone had already selected it, and this is what they gave me, and this is what I have to uh, give out to you in terms of following me on those social media platforms. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day and even better night.